Alright, welcome back into Prime Suspects for your weekly insider's look behind the counter of Prime Sports. Joined by Joe Brennan Jr. and Adam Bjorn, I'm your host Matt Landis. Guys, wildcard weekend in the NFL wrapped up last night with Joe's Eagles going out with a whimper. Joe, want to toss it to you right off the bat here. I'd imagine it was a conflicting rooting experience and viewing experience for you. Of course, as a Philadelphia fan, but also as an operator, knowing that there was a lot of Eagles money in the market leading up to that game. I didn't watch a single second of that game. I was smart enough to just cozy up to a good bottle of Red Breast Irish whiskey, uh, stare off into the middle distance, and let the chips fall they may. It wasn't like I was going to affect the outcome, and it sounds like we got the outcome that we needed. So thank you, Philadelphia Eagles, for paying my kids' school tuition this year. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, of course, Philadelphia-Tampa Bay, not the only game yesterday due to an AFC game getting rescheduled from Sunday. And guys, let's use that Steelers-Bills game as a jumping-off point as we dive into our first segment, the latest from Inside Prime Sports. Pittsburgh-Buffalo getting postponed from Sunday to Monday. Guys, there was a lot of drama across gambling Twitter when it comes to different books taking different approaches with voiding bets, keeping them as active because the location stayed the same and the date didn't change by too much. What was Prime's position on any bets made prior to the game being relocated? And what do you make overall of the different stances that different sports books took? All bets stood. This has been an old age back and forth. Thankfully, COVID was one of the ones that brought a lot of these new rules in place where there was games being changed by day, they've been changed by location and all these different things. For me, the goal is to try and leave the bets valid as long as possible, even with venue changes and things like that. Uh, a lot of these old rules stem from you know the las vegas rules days of, of things and people just haven't updated you know it's one of the biggest things when you go to a betting site scan through their rules on those sports that you're going to play uh one of the big ones for a long time was the tennis it was always one, one as soon as one ball was served bets were on and then it went into full match because of all the corruption and fixes in the early thousands and then some went to first sets. And then the one I like to use was two sets because once a three set match went to the third set, should be game on, all bets live. And in a five set match, once it goes to the third set, again, all bets should be on, even if it's a one sided match. And it's the same for the football, it's the same for baseball, same for all these other sports that some of them just haven't updated with the times of evolving schedules, weather, and these things being moved around. So for me, it's try and keep those bets alive, even if a game is postponed midway through the live bets and all those kind of things. We've tried to extend those rules to a point where it should get as much coverage from historically what's happened. And again, you can have some nuances come across and you're not going to change all your rules for these things. But generally, if there's something that comes up, you see it and you know that it could be an ongoing topic, it's trying to keep those rules up to date but not in a position where you're trying to change them for every little nuance and change. So I often forget some of these other places still have these old rules that have you know, stemmed from 30, 40 years ago when they were first created. And the idea for us is always to, once a bet's placed, try and have it valid until the point. But also, as a customer service, if someone did bet the under because of the weather and that and they want to cancel their single wager, you know, you cater to that. And if someone calls in and says, hey, you know, the game's changed, then we'll look at it a case-by-case basis, which I think you generally have to look at. But keep those bets active, keep them live, and 
pay them out when the game's done. And Adam, a quick follow-up there. Were there actually cases where people who might have had the under prior to the game getting moved contacting Prime Sports to see if they could void those wagers and then Prime accommodating that type of request? I don't believe there was any requests. I didn't see any requests. But if there were, again, I would have catered to those. Especially even some of the hard and fast rules are if they're a professional and you know what they're doing, so be it. You've got your bet. If it's a recreational player, there is some differentiation here. But in this situation, if someone individually wanted to do it, I would have just dealt with it that way. And Joe, you maintain a pretty public presence. Did this game getting rescheduled cause any outreach to you to try to put out any fires or just put people's minds at ease with what they could expect with any wagers they had placed through Prime? No, I actually, you know, the market stayed pretty stable on it. I was expecting to see at least a few calls, but I think it's because A, so much of our action right now is, is sharp action. You know, those guys, it's... They had already priced it in, I would imagine. And the weather, it wasn't like they were going to play in the middle of a snowbank. Anyway, when you saw the field, the stadium crew does a good job of clearing the field and making sure it's ready for play. And in the meantime, to Adam's point, you know, we didn't have any blanket rulings like all bets are canceled or anything like that. But if somebody had contacted us, it doesn't matter if it was like a $10,000 wage or a $10 wage, or we'd probably, if they requested us avoid it, we would have done it prior to the start of the game because having a good relationship with folks is more important than one wager i think what you see some of the grumbling going on twitter is is some of the guys who they let it ride and it went against them and they're like oh that should have been voided it's like look dude you know and, and if it went the other way and if you had won that would you have given the money back to the book and there's a lot of people who have perfect 2020 hindsight on betting twitter now don't they I think it comes from a good place being open to accommodating requests if there are any substantial changes to the logistics of an event should somebody reach out to you guys. But I also think a mantra that we've discussed on this show on a recurring basis previously, a bet's a bet. And at a certain point, if you're a better placing a wager, it's kind of incumbent upon you to know the house rules. And sometimes if you don't know the rules and unforeseen events take place, they could work in your favor. They could cut against you. But in the long run, those things will probably even out. So trying to let cooler heads prevail at the end of the day here. And guys, we'll see how cooler heads may or may not prevail as we pivot from the NFL to MMA. Moving on to our water cooler segment, we've got an active pro MMA fighter and a 20-time UFC veteran who calls himself the Parlay King, going the tout route on gambling Twitter, looking like he plans to start selling picks. And to boot, he is relying on a recreational offshore, to put it lately, I will put this out to either of you to weigh in first. How do you guys feel about an active professional athlete engaging in this type of activity? So I had a quick look at the guy, the Twitter and whatnot. For me, I think there's way too much put into these athletes betting, gambling. You know, it's thrown in their faces. I get granted don't bet on your sport or in more so your team in that aspect. But to be touting other sports or doing parlays and things like that, you know, each to their own luck to them. I don't know which state he's in or where he's based, but clearly shows again, a lack of knowledge of where the market's gone to and what's available and how to sell your picks in this manner. Again, each to their own and, you know, it seems like an interesting thing. I'd had a look at it. That's sort of the end of it for me. I'd happily take his wages anyways. Yeah. So I'm going to have to disagree my, uh, hetero life made silent Bob there a little bit because it is a terrible look for a UFC. 
in two ways. One, UFC has historically paid their fighters peanuts, which is terrible. Like Dana White, he really loves getting off on his public image and everything like that. And I can't imagine that he would. He's having a great time. He gets all the money. There's like a couple of fighters that get paid decently. And most of the other guys are getting paid less than what somebody would get paid to be the night manager at Burger King. So some of these guys trying to find ways to cash in, I'm completely unsurprised by it. Having said that, this is a bad look. I mean, it may be, you just have to look at the American experience here athletes betting within their own sport it's a bad look it's not credible what information those guys may have that are available to them that are not that's non-public information particularly since you know ufc they have these magnet trading centers where they bring all their fighters in like so there's not a, there's a different availability of information that a ufc fighter may have compared to the public or compared to the bookmaker so i think it's probably not a path that anybody should go down I mean, I don't think anybody does think it's a great idea because they're doing it with Bovada rather than with somebody in the regulated market. But it is, in some ways, I see it as similar to, obviously this is a little bit of a leap, but when you have players like on the qualifier tours and tennis and everything, those guys, they're not making any money, right? And those are the ones who are so susceptible to tampering and things like that. That's where your match fixing and tennis is happening. When you look at these other sports that are trying to make headway uh, and where the athletes are similarly poorly compensated, I see this as being kind of like an outcrop of that, like saying like, oh, okay, well, here's a way I'm going to get mines by touting these fights, but it's a pretty slippery slope that they ought to stay away from. Well, I think that was one of the misconceptions was he was coming out to tout MMA stuff. It looks like it's majority he's doing basketball, football, and all these other sports, not actually MMA style. Why would anybody care what an MAA fighter got to say about basketball? I mean, he has a fairly good following. <laughs> he, he wins some bets. I mean, that's just the culture today. That's what people are following. And, you know, as unfortunate as we see it is, the idea is to just make sure that if they're in our state, then they can get on a decent bet. And if there's multiple of them betting the same thing, then so be it. It's interesting. There's somebody I know who they reached out to me and they their business concept was to get just random Instagram and TikTok influencer stars, people with big audiences and proactively pay them to make picks. And they wanted to know if they, if I thought that was a good business model, <laughs> was, I'm like, I would think, and I would, I'm going to assume that the two other people on this pod with me would think that that's not necessarily a good use of your money is paying somebody who's a fashion influencer or something like that for their sports picks. It never ceases to amaze me where people will put their trust, their faith, and their money nowadays when it comes to touts. So who knows? That person probably has a billion-dollar business. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, that's it. The bottom line is it probably is a good business model. Is it something we'd want to do? Hell no. But, you know, that's just the culture of it right now is people are following anything to try and find a winner. I think this back and forth really cuts to the core of gambling culture in America right now, because on one hand, I totally get Joe's question, like who in the world would really invest too heavily in what an MMA fighter has to say about other sports, if we can presume that that's not really in his wheelhouse and what he really knows at a deep level. And on the flip side, I think Adam brings up a good point. That just seems to be the way that things are going for better or worse and trying to understand 
what Prime might do, what other people might do at scale. Maybe there's a bit of a disconnect. Maybe it seems like a bit of a dichotomy, but that's what makes this conversation so compelling in a lot of ways. And, and guys, to kind of keep pulling at a similar thread, let's move on to our look ahead segment, where if you watched any of the games on Wildcard Weekend, Joe, I know you didn't watch the Eagles, but if you watched any of the five other games, I'm sure you watched every snap of every other game, you could not have missed the commercials with FanDuel advertising that it is once again partnering with Rob Gronkowski for the kick of destiny. FanDuel customers can make a free pick on whether or not Gronk will make a kick during a live attempt shortly before the Super Bowl kicks off for a chance to win a share of a $10 million bonus prize pool. And from the cynic or mercenary point of view, it might be easy to think, all right, this share of a prize pool is probably going to be small beans at the end of the day. And to the optimist, it might seem like, hey, this is a free roll and it's something that could be entertaining. Gronk is a big celebrity. It's just, you know, a fun, maybe value add to the pregame before the Super Bowl kicks off. Big picture, guys. I think it also touches on the notion of educating betters at scale can be a major challenge. And to work around that, marketing creatively can go a really long way. So, Joe, I'll come to you first here. I guess overall, what's your point of view on where the kick of destiny fits into this equation of educating and serving betters, but also marketing creatively to try to break through the noise and run a sustainable business? I think educating betters is probably a distant 30th on their list of priorities over there at FanDuel because an educated better is not their favorite customer. <laughs> I think this is just entirely the hype machine and yeah the offer on this whole thing. And I still haven't gotten into like the fine print of their offer, but it just upfront, it reads like, you know, make a $5 get, get $150 and three bets. Like just from a responsible gaming perspective, let alone sustainable business perspective, that just doesn't, it just shows you, all right, that's their business. They're a hype machine. They're a big brassy, you know, consumer brand. They're entertainment oriented. You know, they're going to go and they're going to do showy stuff like that. And in advance of a U.S. IPO that they're going to do, uh -huh, imagine that, they're going to juice their numbers as much as possible because that's where those guys really win, right? With their eventual public offering and what their valuation is going to be. The DraftKings guys, you know, they've played that game and they've played it very well for themselves now for the better part of three or four years. The rest of it, like, look, uh, you know, okay, great. You got Rob Gronkowski. He's a fun guy, right? Everybody likes watching him. You could make an overly serious commentary about like, well, isn't he now a, a sports journalist? Cause he's on the pregame show at Fox or something like that. I don't know. But to me, it's kind of like, all right, let's watch it. It's about as serious as the puppy bowl or the lingerie bowl or any of the others, you know, little promos that try and you know, attach themselves to the big game because we can't call it the Super Bowl. As far as creative promotions, having a celebrity do something stupid to garner attention at $2 million, what is it, what's the price for 30 seconds of ad time now in the Super Bowl this year? It's got to be over $5 million, right? Yeah, I don't have that number offhand, but I think the over would cash pretty comfortably there. All around, it's just ridiculous. Obviously, you're not going to see us doing that. I would like to see Adam kick a field goal. Right. Adam played Australian rules football and kick in that game. Right. Adam, you probably still got a leg on you. Like, now that would be interesting. Like have a bookie do it. And, you know, we'll, we'll do like, an, we'll take another point of juice off or something like that. If Adam, no, actually we'd have to, it has to be a, a, a positive incentive. If Adam makes it, juice stays the same. 
But if he misses it, then we're taking a point off the juice, right? I don't know. You up for that, Adam? That's it. Put the pressure on. When we were talking topics for this uh, episode, I actually had to go do the research. I'd never seen it. I just heard some controversy around it last uh, Super Bowl. I'd never seen the kick. It's amazing the breakdowns on YouTube of did it actually go through? Did it miss? Seems like the thing was edited. It seems like it was pre-recorded. It was on a stage. It was in the desert. I mean, they've got $10 million. They want to give it out. Some will be on one side. Some will be on the other. They'll roll out the money and that's kind of the end of it. If you've got the money, find ways to give it away, I guess, to keep those people retained and bring them on board for as cheap as possible. And it's just another gimmick that's not in our wheelhouse, probably because we don't have the money to do so, but also just not the nature of the beast that we're looking to build here. One thing I think you got to also consider when you look at this, Matt, is it's like, okay, everybody's now pointing their warheads financially towards the Super Bowl, right? All the sports books. It's like, okay. And then the day after is, and if there's one thing that I see is lacking in the industry is how do they, they spend all their time, their effort, their money acquiring customers during the football season because there's this notion like, okay, well, that's the big season in America. You got to get it, got to get it now and everything like that. But day after Super Bowl, how are you retaining these guys? Like, what are you encouraging them to move on to? Basketball's bigger for us, right? In aggregate, because there's just, there's more games. It's a longer season. So we'll do more for basketball overall in handle than we will for football. Only just, but still, it's a bigger sport if you look at it in terms of volume. But I don't see now, like, any of the preparation for that because basketball is going on right now. It's not like you got to wait until the week after the Super Bowl and then it hits. What are they doing right now to convert their meat eaters into vegetarians from football to basketball and other sports? And that's something I think that the big brands have always done a very poor job of. Uh, they seem to be more interested in creating more online casino opportunities so they can convert football betters into online casino players than they are in trying to get their recreational football betters to play, you know, bet on basketball or bet on baseball or golf or, or anything like that. I find that to be an interesting point. And Adam, I'll go back to you with one more follow-up on that notion. I recall early on in my time as a sports better, and I think this is a very common experience right after the Super Bowl it was all right, what's on the board for college basketball? What does the NBA slate look like? And I had done zero research, but it was just craving action, almost having withdrawals after the Super Bowl. I think, of course, there is a responsible gaming component to this, but also on your side of the counter without looking to just pull one over on betters, being ready for life after the Super Bowl, to Joe's point, not just pretending like that day is the be all end all and, and there's nothing after it. What are you doing with Prime to ensure that you guys are providing a robust offering to people who would like to bet and at the same time trying to toe that line of not encouraging people to do so just because there's not football anymore and, and trying to honor responsible gaming at the same time? Yeah, well, I mean, what, 20 plus years ago, it was October and February, we had no sports. You know, American sports hadn't really hit Australia in the 90s. It was just sort of coming into it. So October was horse racing and February was dead. And it seems it's dead across the world as kind of the, the quiet month. There's a lot of stuff on. I mean, you know, the golf season's warming up. Again, there's always some UFC. There's a heavyweight fight in February. Baseball is obviously going to start soon. You've got the hockey and the basketball going on. March Madness around the corner and obviously the end of the uh, season for college basketball. So 
again, it's really just keeping that 108 reduced juice. Going to try and not necessarily add more stuff because there is so much stuff there anyway, but it's just to see, look at what the players were playing while they were playing football and just redirect some traffic into some different areas. But it's also to take a breath and just sort of see where things are at. For us on the Planetech side of getting you know, New Jersey, Kentucky, and dig in and do work there because the business continuity side is a little quieter and whatnot. So there's also development opportunities, customer acquisition opportunities and different things like that. So it never stops, but it, sometimes it's also good to just take a breath like the betters, go away for a few weeks and do what you need to do and then back to it when March Madness and those other high peak events kind of come along. Breaks are good. And just real quick on this is, so we're up so far looking at the numbers this morning. Now it wasn't all just everything that we took in because of Philadelphia losing. So far this month, we're performing, it's our best month uh, by mid-month. And it's not because of football. It's because of the middle of the week, our basketball and everything. It's like our middle of the week numbers when there is no football have really started to take a lift here. So, and that is... You know, people starting to really get into hoops and college hoops and everything. It's really, I'm really eager to see after the Super Bowl, uh, how that morphs. Obviously, you're going to see a drop off because of football a little bit, but I'm really waiting to see how steep it is for us, especially now that we've got reduced juice and the words getting out on that. That's one that we did not do a big brand campaign about like reduced juice at prime sports, but it does seem to be filtering out there because I, it's, one of the only things that you can really point to, to explain like on the, the middle of our week on, on our hoops betting is up significantly. All right. I think this can lead us to a natural opportunity to tie a bow around this week's episode. Guys, thank you for another thought provoking conversation and to the audience, whatever or however you bet beyond football, whether or not you think Gronk will make this year's kick of destiny. We want to thank you for making us a part of your week. Few weekly reminders here. You can register for Prime Sports at primesports.com, download the Prime Sports app, follow Prime Sports on Twitter at Prime Sportsbook, where we welcome you to message us with any questions or segment ideas. Follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Brennan Jr. Follow Adam on Twitter at Adam Bjorn2. You can find links to all of the above in the show notes. Thanks again to everybody for listening, and we'll see you next week right back here on Prime Suspects. You must be 21 or over to play on Prime Sports. Always bet responsibly and within your limits. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Gambler.